winning, winning forms, good form, as the old racing cliche goes. Fashion legend won three in a row, and you're saying the market's just put it out to a silly price of twenty six dollars. You're gonna need a little bit of luck, right? Yep. But this horse is no way. This should be in single digits, Rafi. So this is fashion legend, and we'll have a bit of a look across the. Uh, well, it's about uh, yeah, mid twenties. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Nice. Thomas Hellam down the outside. Fashion Legend making ground. Likewise, Yellow Brick. It's spiritualised on the outside. Fashion Legend. Later's Yellow Brick. The inside. Fashion Legend. Yellow Brick. Fashion Legend's one from Yellow Brick. Yep. It's all about King of Sparta. It, it is an extremely tight price, but deserves to be tight, right? It, it even deserves to be probably a dollar fifty, realistically. Out wide, King of Sparta though is taken over. He's looking the good. He's coming right away. King of Sparta is too good. Shooting for goal second. Yeah. What a performance from Skylab. Yeah. What a performance. Skylab going plus six, still above benchmark between the eight and the four. Entitled to weaken. I actually felt, you know, I don't know if that was the smartest of moves from the rider. Like the horse was trying to save energy. Yeah, maybe. Like obviously, you know, going fast, but actually rebounded over the last two hundred meters to be quicker than the four. The two. This is a very deceptive run, Ralphie. This horse looks so ready to um, break through and win. Absolutely. Does Rob? What price is this horse at the moment? Uh, it's about mid fives. Yeah, that's 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 huge overs. Nice James. If we're looking about who's the biggest overs on the day in terms relative to the IVR profile, it's going to be this runner. Skylab on the outside and a further back to zoom on. Skylab and straight dancer. Outlanders are coming down the outside, finishing strongly. Skylab in front though near the line and Skylab's one from straight dancer. Outlanders went different. Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for getting our year-round carnival review podcast. And as you heard there, a little bit of Skyhooks, a little bit of Josh Fleming's fantastic call, courtesy of Sky Racing. And some of our preview podcasts in the Magic Millions Day, it was finally run. Uh, that podcast was last Friday. You can hear it in full, unedited, as we always do, uh, via the same platform that you hear this if you didn't get it on the day. But Vince Accardi from Daily Sexuals, good morning, mate. Hey, good morning, Ralphie. Well, in the end, we uh, we got a decent Magic Millions Day. We'll get to Melbourne and Sydney shortly, but uh, you'd have to say the track played pretty well. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. They must have definitely kept the hoses away. <laughs> Well, that could catch on, Vince. <laughs> yes, yes. What a difference it makes. Well, that's how that track needs to be. Don't put water on it. Yeah, yeah. I'll give a little shout-out to Trenton Akers from uh, Racenet who, who wrote a little column about that and just said, you know, Nivesh finally got a chance to do it without pressure and look at the difference and how, how the track did play. So via your IVR data, how did uh, what, what did you assess the speed of the uh, Gold Coast track and any particular lanes in the day? Well, firstly... When we look at the track compared compared to like what happened just for those couple of races, the mess. <laughs> yeah, it was a complete contrast. Realistically, if anything, it was just the from the four hundred to the finish line. The track was I would have considered to be G four. Nice, but the rest of the track was a hundred percent like we're in the G three range all day, 
and this has made a massive difference from a lane's point of view. Slightly different scenario there. You could come from four off the fence and you were as wide as like 15, 16 off the fence if we look at like the way King of Sparta was the widest runner all day. And then probably the other big thing for me was the majority of horses on the day with the exception of two runners were really inside four lengths from the lead speed approaching the 800 metre mark. And that sort of, I guess put a bit of indication around like you couldn't be too far off them and if you're getting very very deep you just couldn't make up that necessary ground because that track was uh, so much quicker than what we'd seen only you know a handful of days earlier so in in the end we almost got the track that we expected to get on the friday (laughs) that it really is ralphie so a little bit unlucky from that perspective and you know might have all cost us a little bit of money in terms of a mindset from one meeting to another, but there's no doubt it ended up playing exactly how we initially thought. Well, Dean sent us a lovely email here. Uh, Hi, Ralphie. Just a quick note to say how impressed I was with the quality of the content supplied in the podcast. After listening to it all, I came away with F Troop to place, Mimi Lagarde to place, King of Sparta to win, Scolopini to win. Then watching Alpine Edge beat F Troop, I added in Skylab thinking the track wasn't as bad as the rating said. Pass my thanks to Vince as well for your informative and easily digestible product. So that's a very nice feedback there, Vince. Yes, fantastic. And that particular individual, Dean, man, he he was tuned in to the <laughs> to the millimeter. <laughs> Unbelievable love when a person can do that sort of work. Absolutely, and look as uh, as you always stress, this is uh, this is for an individual's own thoughts. As to, uh, you, we provide the best information we can, and uh, then it's up to the individual to decide how to play. We don't tell you how to spend your own money, um, and. But uh, but also what you do put across is when you've got a low confidence. So in the case of Skirt the Law, it was the big the big uh, two-year-old classic is the $2 million up for grabs. But really, there was a case where you said you just weren't keen on the race at all because none of the two-year-olds had, had stepped up, so to speak. So it looked like a high-pressure setup. And was there anything of substance on the clock to say, well, you want to follow this horse going forward into a slipper or got Blue Diamond? Wow, slipper. We are, we're already talking about slippers, Ralphie. Wow. Yeah, well, 2.2 lengths below benchmark overall. What, what I did like was this. It was a nice speed through the first section. I mean, the lead speed was almost three lengths above. That's good speed for young horses at 1,200 metres and still to be racing above benchmark. Like when Skirt the Law was 1.7 above through the first 400 metres, then between the eight and the four, yes, there was a declining acceleration from that point on, but it was still half a length above. And then you could see the drop-off, Ralphie, over the last 400, 3.8 lengths below. This is typical for young horses, particularly if they're going that fast. They can't cope. They don't have the strength. And therefore, it's difficult for them to put a really good time down. When I look at overall for the standard for two-year-olds, they're probably a couple of lengths off what I would expect for this time of the year. So it's not anything, you know, dramatic. I mean, you can easily keep improving over the next four or five months if you're inclined to. Uh, you sent out a grid on uh, on th- uh, Thursday morning, and this is an update from the quote that we heard at the, in our opener about fashion legend. You said it should have been single figures. Now, again, we don't claim anything. We, we don't you – can, you can listen to everything we said unedited. So, but with fashion legend, you had him on top, and you just said he was a crazy price. So if anyone wanted to take the overs, well done to you. What I really want to underline here, though, Vince, is this, and it, ironically, I'm sure I saw Will Freeman, if not, it was Richard, send out a month or so ago about how unlucky the stable was with wide barriers. 
Well, you articulated with the wide barrier, it was going to be perfect because the speed was going to be on and Josh Parr would be able to slot into the perfect position. That's ultimately what's won in the race. It, it really is, Ralphie. And then you have a look at it like really good speed, 6.6 lengths above benchmark for that sort of first half Except of the by race. Spiritualized. Yeah, by spiritualised. And then Fashion Legend, virtually four lengths, just inside four lengths off that leap pack. You couldn't have asked for a better position. A little bit of a you know subtle slowdown for pretty much just the way the race shape was for Fashion Legend. And then was able to rebound over that last 400 metres. You can just see maximum input between the four and the two. Oh, I'd say that um, was able to sort of secure victory from there. And then even the last 200 metres only just marginally dropped off 0.3 below. This was a really good effort by this particular horse. I, I actually felt this was one of the you know really top performances of the day and gave the signal about what we touched on the... Yeah, for whatever reason, the price was a lot more than what it should have been. Yellow Brick uh, was was the market favourite. Just got beaten. I, I thought watching it probably lane disadvantaged and then, you know, always trying to be fair. And I, I don't think there was a run that Ben Thompson could have taken wider than, than where he went. So he's gone inside and just gone for the run that he had to take. So he's ended up hard defence or close enough to hard defence. Do you think that was pro- probably the difference between winning and losing? Well... It's it's hard to it's hard to say, Ralphie. Yeah. Ultimately, if that was the scenario, perhaps the run for this horse in terms of maximum speed, the horse looked like he, he was done by the time he got inside the four hundred. He'd already had enough. Now, when you, I look at the data, you just look at that the finish between the six hundred to the finish line, point three below benchmark between the six and the four, four and the two. Point one below, so I just call it virtually the same. And then the finish, benchmark point one above, it just maintained that speed. It wasn't able to find any more. And I just feel personally that at two lengths above benchmark for the horse, that that sort of done the job for the horse. He wasn't able to produce any more than what he did in that race. And I look at the fourteen hundred meters as well, and and sort of ask myself, well, he could have been able to, well, he should have been able to cope with that, but it's just hard to say if these horses are off. Like, you have a look at the campaign when he started. He's had the 63 days in between breaks, comebacks with, with the run, performs very well. Generally speaking, they're already taper, tapering in the negative, and maybe this is the reason why he couldn't, you know, just put that next level of F in. Um, one of the themes pre-race and we were keen on, more keen on other races was that, you know, you always put with your data an expectation as to where they're going to, what, what's required to win the race. And, you know, I, I said that, you know, there was no Hewitson, there was no Cool and Gatter types in the two-year-old and there were certainly no Alligator Blood types in the three-year-old. And I'd say going forward, some of these are going to have some real challenges that are going to step up to the best Melbourne and Sydney races on what they've produced on the day there. Oh, for sure, absolutely. This was this was you know, somewhere for the majority of runners, somewhere in between, you know, probably more like a midweek type profile. Yep. But the money, of course, was like outstanding. It was <laughs> Group One days. <laughs> exactly. If you won, you don't you don't really care about any of that. No. Uh, as uh, as we heard there, the good thing of the day, the the shoulders back situation was King of Sparta, and uh, and you said he was the widest runner. Well, again, let, let's say that it's only a field of ten, of course, but. There's, there's the race shape and the wide lane advantage 
for a particular world-class rider like James McDonald. Yeah, and when you think about this, that was actually hard to do. So even though he got the advantage in terms of the in the end of the lane, I actually felt that <laughs> not you would normally say these sort of things, but you would think that being in that lane compared to so many other horses that tried to win some somewhere near that type of position, they just couldn't make the ground up. They made some ground up and then they tanked out because of that extra work they had to do. I felt this horse, who's won this race, King of Sparta. Even though he got that look, the edge in the end, oh, if he was six lanes close, I reckon he would have produced another length, length and a half better performance. Wow! All right, so that's the that's his yeah. band. So he is one that uh, that I'm pretty sure if if the planets align, if he can stay on on dry ground, he, he's still going to be a weapon uh, back down south, whether whether it's Melbourne mm. or Sydney. Weapon. Have a look at have a look at all the just the raw split time. It was he, on the whole day. His performances through each of the sections, the worst was, you know, second best of the day regardless. Beautiful. And overall, there it is, best of the day. Probably the 1.5 below benchmark first section sealed the deal. Yep. He would have just been coasting on that sort of profile. Even the mid-race move, it was not over extensive. That allowed him to put that extra effort in that he had to make that ground wider. And even look at the mid-race squeeze. It was only a 2.8 length mid-race squeeze, and he was too good. And the 1.6 is not a real reflection of this horse's talent. I just want to back over one thing before we switch to Melbourne and uh, Sydney. Mm-hmm. The week before, when uh, I sent out a, a shout-out to our members on the Sunday, I always ask if members want to ask some questions and uh, be part of the, the podcast because we're at Corporate Bookmaker Ad Free. We're, we're here in Independent, and it's our fantastic members who support us each week. Each week we send best of the day to Melbourne uh, from Melbourne, Sydney, and uh, over the last few weeks in Queensland. Steve sent you this email, Vince. I forgot to do it last week. Uh, hey, Ralphie, just a shout-out to Vince. Took his most advantage of the Doomman Quad on New Year's Eve. Bang, $25,000 dividend. What a way to see in 2023. Oh, do you have to clap hands on that? <laughs> Love that. that. Oh, well, that, that's beautiful. Beautiful. So I'll, to, to I'll forward that on you, mate. I kept it. Kept it for this uh, for this pod. Let's have a look at, uh, at at the weekend. We'll start with Mooney Valley. Uh, Vince, of course, uh, you know you, you can't have uh, can't have good tracks because because it's apparently it's illegal, as in fast fast two. So uh, we call it good three. How fast did Mooney Valley play? Oh, really? So this, yeah, apparently <laughs> well, it's illegal. It's 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 illegal. Wow, wow. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen the valley um, move so quickly again. How intelligent are they if they don't uh, overdo it with the hoses? But <laughs> Casey, have a look at this. To the 800 metres, 2.4 length above standard. To the 600, 2.1, still like flying. Last 200, 2.87. Overall, <laughs> there it is. The track adjustment on just on the auto, the DTA, it's about 2.6. But when you go over on the overall performance against the history, it was more like about six lengths, and that's 100%. You can put the little sign up, you know, F2. F2, beautiful. Um, I uh, I do a little segment on Perth Radio on Sunday mornings. You yep. hadn't had a chance to do your, your data at that stage, but I thought this – this race, eight, this has to be a good race, doesn't it? Uh, I know the raw time was one thirty-five one, but we, we know these horses are in form, pounding, corner pocket, uh, and, and a couple others like uh, Ascension, who's, who came from a pretty fast race at Warnable, and, uh, and your IVR has come through and it's absolutely backed it up. 
backed it up. Yeah, a bit of an understatement that one. Backing it up, that was fantastic. Really, when you look at it, let's look. Let's look at pounding. All sections above benchmark. The, the, this horse has shown the real love of how he loves the faster, the better, the track, what that is, right? 0.9 above benchmark first section, three lengths above between the eight and the four. Now, it's not easy, I don't care how fast it is, right, to then go from plus three when you're travelling t- first two-thirds of the race all above the standard, and this is like 1,690 records. What are we looking at? Oh, that's – to accumulate that, you have to be doing more than 30 years just for that. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of data, because that's we're just highlighting good tracks, right? Yeah. And seven point eight lengths above benchmark last four. Wow, wow. That that's what I've got to say. Wow. So, uh, been been a bit of a theme over the summer. How good is Peter Moody got, got his team going again? Oh. He, this bike being a poster boy, we'll get to some others as well. Well, we're going to make a lot of money from. Him. That's the reality. Well, it's so fantastic to have another trainer on the scene, and we've got very many good trainers that just so that his horses are just so consistent. Yeah, and he probably never deserved to be away from the game, did he? Of course, ultimately, right? And <laughs> yeah. now he's 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 come back and he's taking his time, but goodness me, he is going to make us an avalanche of money over the next few years. So we actually said, and this is uh, this is our write up on the Sizzlers, our Black Book product from December ten with pounding. So he was beaten uh, 1.6 lengths above benchmark, fourth on the day. This was his 20th career start, but he's reached a new PB from plus 0.7 Flemington, back on clean ground, first time in seven runs this prep and in a solidly run race, and we wanted to break it down from there. But the point being, horses can improve deep into a prep if they finally get circumstances that suit them. Yeah, and he's he's clearly showing how much he loves dry ground. And you can see when you look at the profile, like that last campaign, let's say pretty much from July all the way to October, realistically, all, most virtually all the runs had some sort of give in the ground and some was a lot worse than, you know, like we were in that genuine heavy range. Like, yeah, look at that run at Caulfield, 12th of October. That was bottomless. And there's the Raws, 33.8 below. That's genuine heavy 10. So now we get on top of the ground and he really demonstrated what he's capable of. So... I don't know. Where does this horse go from here? How much more can improve? I look at all the data. There was a slight drop off at the end because his acceleration peaked between the four and the 200 metres. And then we had a slight drop off over the last 200 metres. I have to combine the overall speed with that. Could we still see another length of improvement? I have to say right now, we haven't seen the top of the horse. And uh, how's Corner Pocket? Such a consistent horse, terrific winning strike rate. Just gets beaten to him in, in best of the day time. He's only other mile run. Well, that was uh, at Flemington in March. Uh, <laughs> he runs third. Inspirational girl Zaki run first and second, and Mr. Brightside run fourth. So uh, I think there's no. He, he's yet to win at a mile, Vince, but I reckon he's a pretty good miler. There you go. Yeah, absolutely good mile. And he was a horse that had to be sort of in the mix as a genuine chance as well. And his, his effort was really. Excellent. Went through that first section faster than pounding. Yep. Almost maintained the same speed in terms of how far above the benchmark between the 8, the 4, and the 400, and then just couldn't hold on to finish off. That's all it was, Ralph. There was not a lot between those two horses, and wow, another you know fantastic performance for Corner Pocket. And this this is a horse that's like really consistent, Ralphie. Like he, he's won a, a stack of races. You have a look at his form profile. He's got so many performances above benchmark. So that was definitely no fluke for this horse. 
Uh, Dance of Dubai won again. Uh, as I said, our members get sent best of the day from Melbourne and Sydney. This is what they got sent from her win on New Year's Eve. We sizzled her from back on track Flemington, went a length below benchmark, ranked 17th on the day, particularly if given a chance around a bend again. And she's elevated big time on the tight Mooney Valley circuit. Best of the day, display of sustained speed, plus 3.2 at the 800, was very fast, improved again. Plus 5.2 in the mid race, and went on to say it further from there. So, gone from 1.3, uh, best of the day. What's she done here? Yeah, so we've ended up with an overall 1.7, so improved again marginally from its previous PB. But, you know, the fashion and the way this horse did it in terms of overall effort, beautiful, loved it. 1.9 lengths above benchmark. That's about its sort of go to speed, I would say. I'm not going to say that it's an absolute, you know, golden position, but anywhere sort of from minus one to up around that plus two range, this horse is like definitely in a good, well-balanced position energy-wise, but the move between the eight and the 400, it's 4.1 above. I look at the history on this horse. This is like right up to where it's sort of can perform at level-wise when it's right, and then the last 400 metres plus 3.1. I go through the history and... That's the best last 400 the horse has ever done, Ralphie, and particularly off this race shape. So that's a testament to the trainer and how well they got this horse racing. And again, am I saying this horse is absolutely peaked? I can't sit here and put a ceiling on and say that's the end. Might be as far as it gets this preparation, but there, I feel this horse is still improving as well. It really fits the bill of, we've said this many times over the years, that you know sometimes with mares, they, they, they just take time to mature, and whether it's the hormones, whether it's anything, but sometimes good mares can improve as older horses. This mare's five, and you're saying she's still trending the right way? She is trending the right way, absolutely, and showing good body of strength as well. It's like it's really strengthened up. Maybe you know this horse could now be at a situation where, oh, look, I don't know. Would they have a go back to have a crack at fourteen hundred again? Who knows? Well, I think they're definitely going to have a look at an early stakes race, and yep. you know how often do we see it? These horses that are fit, running fast in the summer, they take on some horses uh, who, who aren't, aren't uh, race fit, and they can they can pin, pinch a, ro- a stakes race or two. So, yep. it'd be very interesting to see which way she progresses. I'll just feel, and, and sorry, one thing I wanted to add to this was the ride of Carleen Heffel and the and the stable tactics to give her confidence to go fast. Because the one thing that worried me, well, I said about the breakdown from New Year's Eve. And it ended up being overthinking it. But when the money came for Apre Lemur, who's a fast horse, limited but fast, I thought, I just hope you don't sit outside her because then you're going a bit slow and then a horse with a big finish can peel off your back. And uh, we saw, you know, Damien Oliver stalked uh, Dance to Dubai uh, with a perfect ride on Sacred Palace. I thought, well, if you you drop anchor in the mid-race, you're in trouble. But instead, fast and faster. And that put the speed out of everything behind her. Yeah, and see, in a horse like Apra Lemurs, when you look at that particular horse's profile, the speed that it was travelling at in this particular race of around plus 1.5 is, like, borderline. It's sort of out outside range there was one particular event going all the way back in 2021 where it produced a speed that was around plus 3.2 but the major majority of its races are you know like top end speed is somewhere getting close to that sort of 1.5 1.9 range and when it travels at that speed it can't maintain that velocity in other words it loses its rhythm so <laughs> it just 
it was outflanked by a much smarter uh, a ride and a faster horse overall, which we like. And, and I'll finish with race two on the day because again, I want to give another wrap to Amy, uh, another female uh, claiming apprentice in Amy McLucas. First Melbourne ride. The team Friedman are having a bit of a look at her for a possible uh, stint down here. And on unflinching, we obviously put a big stamp on him when he ran second inundation first up at, uh, at at also at Mooney Valley at Sandown. It was fast and then tapered right off, probably a bit flat on the fourteen day backup. And she rode this horse perfectly, and and I thought, what to the visual, and then the data's confirmed it. Well, look at the power in that mid-race, Rob. Yes. (laughs) Firstly, it's never easy to break benchmark Mooney Valley 1000 through the first section, because you've got 200 metres, and you're pretty much coming to a turn where you're sort of forced to slow. Here, they've been able to not only go at a really good speed, but then they've been able to increase the pace. I mean, that's superb. Like going from 0.4 to plus 5.7, that's a massive extension in the mid-race. And all horses were entitled to drop off because it was a it was a big surge from all the runners. And yet, you know, I look at unflinching overall last 400 was plus one. There was a pretty strong taper over the last 200 metres, like going from plus two between the four and the two, and then the last 200 metres, one length below benchmark. So what we've seen is we've seen an overall decline of acceleration of three lengths over the last 200 metres, and this was all about the power of the mid-race move. It was even a bigger surge than the Sandown run the start before, and that horse dramatically dropped off that day, Ralphie, in terms of you know overall speed. I mean, still finished second, but this is how much the horse has improved. And good on the rider to be so gutsy because it's not easy. They know they're going fast, Ralphie, and yes. it's not easy for a rider to be able to maintain their cool and say, oh, you know, maybe I should be just backing off a bit here. But no, she said, well, let's see what you got. And they got the best out of the horse. Daily rankings, just the 39th best last 200 of the day. So the horse was spent in the line and so was yep. everything chasing it. And that's why you want to see good things written, I've got to say. So that was all all ticks to her there. Uh, let's ha- have a look at Randwick there. There was some rain through the day. It, it looked like the track was deteriorating. How did the uh, how'd the track end up playing? Good old Randwick, eh? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. you got to love Randwick. Well, all the all the damage was really in that first section to the 800 metres, like well off, like three lengths below benchmark overall, with the exception of a 2,000 metre race where parts of that track, before they even got to like inside the 1,200, was quicker. But three lengths below, that gives us a pretty clear handle that that track there was definitely in the genuine, I would have thought, I would say S6 is more like it. But yep. then... The last part of the course, all the way to the finish line, we we were we were G4 all the way around, which is again, you know, this is a testament to this track, right? How good it is. And overall, when I had to weigh up the balance, I ended up marking the overall meeting pretty much G4. The uh, stewards report. I want to get to Carrington uh, Stakes race six in the program here mm-hmm. um, because it looked a messy race on on, on paper there. Hate seeing it. Uh, it's and I wasn't involved in the race, by the way. I'm just saying I hate seeing it. And then, and then I'll read here from the stewards' report: Glinscofield Titanium Power also advised to ensure that he does not slow the tempo of the race, such that runners behind him do not have the opportunity to adapt to the change in the pace. In other words, it's quite a dangerous move when you see it there. Uh, what what type of speed were they going in the early in race six on the program? And these are some fast horses. Yeah, okay. Well, this is interesting. Well, there we are. First section, 5.1 lengths below benchmark, titanium power. So, 
what were they saying, the stewards? That uh, he was going too slowly. <laughs> he was going too slowly. Well, okay. Well, if we look at the profile of this horse, all right. If we want to compare it to Rose Hill, back on um, the 3rd of the 12th, where the horse went 6.6, if I take that run away, his line, this is the profile of the horse, is somewhere around the 2 to 5, maybe even 6 lengths below benchmark. That's his profile. Right. And then we have to bring into consideration that that track pretty much was three lengths below standard. And if I take away that 2,000-metre race, right, it's more like around four. And therefore, and then I make the deduction, this is just a mathematical equation, yep. if you want to really work it out. I mean, this horse is travelling like probably two to three lengths faster than the standard of that track actual profile. So it was travelling at a good speed, Ralphie. Right. Relative, All things relative considered. To yeah. yeah. To, Relative to the circumstance of the track. So was he too slow? No. If he was going like, let's say, race seven, right? Yep. Perfect example. There we are. You know, the winner went 11 and a half lengths below benchmark first section. Oh, that's slow. Yeah, 100%. So yes. I don't know. Sometimes I, I ask the question, how they viewing things? Uh, well, maybe there was a case that he's gone quick for the first 400 and then by the time he's got to the 800, he's, he's it's almost like an inverted V, if you like. Oh, so, well, I can give you – yeah, I'm looking at that as well. I would say to you, no. Okay, there we go. Good. Yeah, because I'm looking at the split time, right? 11.56, 11.34, no. That's that's a one-length change in speed. It's a pretty basic data from the from the program here. You know, we've got the good horses about to come back. But the, the one tick we want to give to Brock Brock Ryan, watching Irish legend horse that we put a big stamp on two starts back in Sizzlers. One, let it a slow tempo last start. How often do we say this, Vince? The ideal situation for a quick backup is coming off a slow race. It looked visually the perfect front-running ride. What did the data say? Yeah, beautiful. 1.6 lengths above benchmark first section. This was the only race where they raced above benchmark all day through the first section. And again, this is because I felt that the ground somewhere around that 1,800 metre mark to all the way through to at least the 400, maybe touching the 1,200, was a quicker ground conditions and therefore they were able to run at a more genuine pattern and the rider took advantage i felt the rider took advantage of that ralphie and yep. was able to really control the race beautifully and this is the biggest plus everybody else is cruising behind it like if we have a look at the, the horse that was traveling second in that race was 0.3 below above benchmark every other runner was at least another two to four lengths further back so what happens when there's a big move in the mid-race? You put everybody on notice. That means they've got to come in with a massive mid-race squeeze. Again, probably on one of the toughest parts of the track. And what are you going to be left with? Nothing. So I felt the ride 10 out of 10. Yep. And it's really evident though, uh, on the IVR report that you've sent through about how much work everything else behind him has had to do. Yep. Oh, just, just fantastic. Just uh, finish off with it. With uh, I've got a couple of members' questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I'll is uh, is uh, two I'll combine. But firstly, yep. from Darren, seems there's a lot of track records being broken or under threat in New South Wales and Victoria, not by superstar horses. Is there anything into this? And probably we can say it's a prime example, Vince. Um, how fast Mooney Valley's been racing? Yeah, actually, oh, oh, that, you just prompted me just for a second. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Uh, Gold Coast on Thursday. I just have to. Sorry, I have to go back to that, Ralph, because you just triggered my mind there. Yeah. Eh, maybe not everybody's going to be able to pick this up, but when you do a bit of a cross examination of all the data on the day, and one of the things that I like to look at is I like to look at all the rail markers. 
across the you know across the track, and we've got the advantage now that Triple S is obviously timing the races automatically, so you get some data through. And when I looked at the geo mapping, the markers were one hundred percent in the right spot. But when I looked at the geo mapping, the way where they pin their horses, straight away I had alarm bells. I said, "Oh my God, why the why is the the variance right across the track about one second out?" Because if right. you run them off, and then if you run them off the markers, what's going to ha- what's going to happen is for anybody that's you know timing these horses, they're going to have a real issue with the split time, particularly when you you know, approach the 400, it's going to look like a big velocity slowdown. And, and I can tell you now, anybody that's done that, you know, and just put that data straight in the rubbish bin, right? <laughs> like like immediately because you will be fooled, right? Even though the marks was in the right spot. So then I went back and we were lucky enough to see that a couple of those races, you could actually get, you know, real clarity from the start. Yep. And I look at the geo mapping and the way they re-augmented their figures, which was uh, a lot closer to reality, I came with the conclusion that distances were out. Wow. Yeah. They're like shorter, right? This well, you previously told me yep. one thing that you use as a backup is trees don't move in the background. <laughs> no, they don't. So what happens is <laughs> now what I can't pin, of yep. course, is it three metres? Is it five metres? What is it, right? Yep. But I can tell you it's definitely short, right? All right. So therefore, and I'm, this is answering Darren's question now, right? Sometimes there's the illusion about how fast the tracks are, but you do have to ask yourself the question. And I'm not trying to be mean here. You know, this is my life duty, right? Yep. That distances aren't always accurate. Right. <laughs> okay. So that's the yep. case of the Gold Coast and the case of Moody Valley is that your IVRs made the adjustments for the very oh. fast tracks, of course. Yeah. yeah. Mind you, I had to make the adjustments at Gold Coast as well, right? Because yeah. the distances weren't correct. Ultimately, overall, yes, I love it when they race fast on these tracks because we get to see the best of horses and there's nowhere to hide. So if you're a slow horse, you're going to get exposed. That's why they want hoses out, Ralph, because they make the slow horse look faster and the fastest horses look a little bit slower. But the reality <laughs> is they will not be injured or they won't they won't be breaking down like people think. But, of course, are they going to put big efforts in? Are they going to maximise their, their performances? For sure. Right for sure, and they could pull up, you know, pull up a little bit sore after the event. That's just muscle because you, you're looking for maximum capacity. But two weeks later, three weeks, three weeks later, these horses are going to be bouncing around. Like, can you give me another fast track? <laughs> Fantastic. And we'll finish with this uh, dual question from Jake. Any substance mm-hmm. of Don Corleone's win? I remember the Raven mm-hmm. Kings Gambit debuted. Want to know if he's still clear number one going forward in the Blue Diamond? And from Brody, hi lads, would love to know what Don Corleone did on the clock being four wide the trip and going away from them in the line size or champagne steaks maybe so to jake to brody and to all our members uh we're going to do a little bonus podcast after this because we've done a half hour so if you want to become a member via my website racetrackrelfie.com.au if you're a group one member you'll receive a bonus podcast and there's a futures market open that just raised my eyebrow and i want to get vince to do a matchup because there's two dominant favorites in a futures market and uh just for a little bit of fun we'll do a matchup here so that'll be our two topics in our bonus podcast that group one members will receive uh this morning so thanks so much uh, in the meantime for tuning into year round carnival hope the uh, luck was kind and uh, we'll uh, have a look again next this time next monday